Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Welcome back to See Also. My name's Kate Jinx. I'm Brody Lancaster. And we're back catching up on all the things we've seen and done over the last few weeks. Yeah, so we're catching up, you know, digging deep into Joan Didion's estate sale and uh, talking White Lotus season two, which we just started. There's no spoilers in there, don't you worry. And of course, we go to Paris with Mrs. Harris. <laughs> <laughs> BL, it's been a while. It's been a little while. How long has it been since people have heard us together? Only like two weeks, but... But it's been longer than we've... Are we going to break the fourth wall (laughs) and admit we pre-recorded some episodes? We did pre-record. Well, we pre-recorded Scream, but that was it. Yeah, that's true. And now that we've gone back to fortnightly, we always regret it immediately because it means that we're when we're together, we have way too much to talk about. Yeah, and also I've been getting um, a few... Slightly irritated people coming up to me in public, <laughs> telling me off and going fortnightly. Yeah, the um, the look. I don't want to sound like a um, an up myself little bitch, but 
Uh, Please fa- do, BL. The, the That's fa- what we're here for. The fans are coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> <laughs> I got a delivery today of some uh, Ella Rowetti plates, including a note saying that she was listening to the podcast while she was packing my order. Got three audio messages from my friend Anton today commenting on various things that we've talked about on recent episodes. He's going through the archives. Yeah, I got hit up at Chapter Fest. <laughs> There's a sentence starter for you. Well, they knew you were going to be there. We talked about it. I know. I think it's good for us. It is good for us. Well, you're about to go overseas for a little while and I am staying here but, you know, doing stuff. Really busy. Yeah. It's the end of the year. Yeah. End of year chaos is raining down upon me daily <laughs> and it's good. It's good, so don't even ask any follow-ups. Okay. Because I'm fine. And I can I'm, tell. Yeah, managing really well. My apartment's the cleanest it's ever been. Yeah, but you've also been doing some quite cool jobs. Yeah. I've, I've done some um, interviewed a, a, a punk music pioneer today. Mm-hmm. Going to be interviewing some um, some people we've talked about on this podcast. Great. In the next week or two, all things that I can talk about but yeah, um, sorry to be one of those people, but all all will be revealed in the next, uh, you know, the next batch of episodes. I think. Great. Yeah, I look forward to it. Well, uh, it's been a really long time. Fill me in, please. Okay, so there's some funny things happening on the internet at the moment that I'm genuinely so excited about. I jotted them all down madly in a note on my phone, like as you were driving over to my house, because I didn't want to lose track of any of them. We didn't talk about the new Taylor Swift album. And I don't want to like capital T talk about the new Taylor Swift album, but there is a song on the new Taylor Swift album that I can't get out of my head. It's called High Infidelity. The internet is having a bit of a field day on whether it's about Calvin Harris, whether it's about Tom Hiddleston, whether it's about Taylor Swift potentially allegedly cheating on Calvin Harris with Tom Hiddleston. But there's this line in it where she says, do you really want to know where I was April 29? And then later she says, there's more than one way to kill someone you love. And all this, everyone's like, clues, clues, clues. Taylor's left an Easter egg. What was April 29? Apparently like a song came out. It was like around the time that she was like dancing with Tom Hiddleston at the Met Gala. Anyway, there's this cute little meme on TikTok where people are like posting what they were doing on the 29th of April. You and I were together that day. Oh, that's nice. Harvey Sutherland album launch. Oh, what a huge night. Also the last time I bought a pack of cigarettes. Oh, very good. Six months ago. Anyway, there is a really funny um, (laughs) editor. This is the last time I wore a particular lilac blazer that I've. I'm not. You retired? Yeah. Huh. Well, I'm a man to stay for both of us. (laughs) (laughs) There's a really funny edit of that going around on, um, also on TikTok, that where they've manipulated it to say, you have Taylor Swift saying, Do you really want to know where I was January 6th? And then says, there's more than one way that you can kill a congressman. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Um, it was bound to happen. It was bound to happen. So, yeah, like Twitter's imploding each day from the inside out, but TikTok is going strong. We're off topic already and I love it. Yeah. I was recently really horrified by a TikTok trend that I was, as a person not on TikTok, was of course not across it, and you were like, "Oh, babe, what is this tip of the iceberg stuff?" Which one? That trend of like, I'm a stay-at-home girlfriend. Oh, the stay-at-home girlfriend. And I look after my boyfriend. Yeah, day in the life of a stay-at-home girlfriend. Jesus Christ! There was one. It was just like, 
in the morning I make him a latte because he really likes lattes. And then in the afternoon I make him another latte because he really likes his lattes in the afternoon. And in between she like gets a wax or gets her nails done or goes to the gym. Barely. I didn't know that she left the house. Yeah. I thought genuinely it was parody and like it's it was White Lotus season be, three. Yeah, no, it was going to be some like funny reveal and no. it was going to switch to be some kind of like, you know, front facing camera bitch, you know. But uh-uh. no, uh-uh. these are serious. And then, of course, there is a really good parody of one where she's like set it up and she's. Pretending that someone's locked her in the room. It's funny. Yeah. It's very Berlin syndrome. <laughs> exactly. And I, that's what I was waiting for. But yeah. you tell me this is a, a thing. Yeah. The stay-at-home girlfriends of TikTok are, is it appropriating stay-at-home parent culture? Not sure. <laughs> there is this one girl who's gotten a lot of um, criticism and she was posting these videos about being a stay-at-home daughter. And her whole thing is like she lives with her parents and so she cooks and cleans and like works in the home in exchange for living there, but she's posting like cooking videos. What? But now it's like this idea of like, yeah, what a, what a girlfriend does when she's like being kept, you know, no children to look after. So just like a man to look after. I guess it's like housewife culture without the ring mother mirror mother exactly mirror (laughs) father mirror it's mirror father mirror yeah uh anyway so i found that just absolutely horrifying yeah it's distressing but look join me on tiktok there's it's grim and it's fun in equal measure (laughs) (laughs) like all the best things like the tv show we talked about last time we potted together the watcher which i hadn't watched and now i have you have watched it Oh my god, I had so much fun watching The Watcher. <laughs> oh god. It was truly so bad. It didn't know what tone it was, but also it did. Like everyone was playing it like they were in a local panto. That is every Ryan Murphy show. Yeah, but I haven't watched a Ryan Murphy show, I realized, in a really long time. Except for um the Monica Lewinsky beanie. Mm, yeah. But now I'm like, do I want to watch the new American horror story? Well, what are they doing now with it? It's set in New York and I think each episode is about like a different famous New York or inspired by like Son of Sam or um, or maybe it's like a, someone who's – it's like there's like a serial killer who's like cruising. Oh. I don't know. It's something like that. I can't keep track of his shows. There's truly – two. there's like 17 seasons of American Oh, Horror there's Story. too many. I know and he works on every other show as well. Yeah. Like Pose what, and like what isn't his show? What isn't his show, yeah. Ryan Murphy is to television as Jack Antonoff is to pop music. Literally, yes, exactly. And I don't really like either of their oeuvres. But the people who do – Really do. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good analogy. No, like I can see gold within and see yet the appeal. cannot accept the full package. Yeah, it's a little too, I don't know if it's cheesy is the right word. There's no there there with either of them. <laughs> I feel like it sort of loves, well, with Ryan Murphy at least, like loves camp but isn't actually. Yeah. Like it's just kind of either too far or. I don't know. His main redeeming quality is that I learned recently he and Leslie Grossman have remained like best friends since she was in Popular. Um, And she's like a big Housewives fan. She was on Watch What Happens Live recently. And Andy Cohen was like, does Ryan Murphy watch Housewives? So thirsty as always. And she was like, I mean, sometimes I guess 
the answer's no. No. <laughs> like, the answer's no, Andy. I reckon I would like his shows more if he did. I reckon his shows would be better if he watched Housewives. <laughs> <laughs> the Watcher you recommend? Uh, I think so. I think when I accepted it on its terms, <laughs> to use a phrase that you mentioned about Scream 3, I was like, yeah, that this is what it is and this is what I, and I know what I'm watching now. It's not a horror show. It's kind of this this cat and mouse kind of where like the mouse turns into the cat and is kind of confused about the chase that they're on and starts like sabotaging the chase. It's a very bizarre show. Mm. It makes no fucking logical sense. No, there are some, look, it's great fodder for character actors, beloved character Jennifer actors. Coolidge is having a great time every episode. Oh, yeah. You know, like it's – but what about, I mean, Mia Farrow in it? Oh, yeah. Mia Farrow and um, what's her name across the road? Um, they yeah. play Mitch and Moe. Um, it's Richard Kind and um, – mm, I love her, Practical Magic. Yeah. Um, I want you to guess. <laughs> It's initials are MM. Yeah. Mm, uh, yeah. Yeah, they are. But it's not Miriam Margulies. <laughs> I don't have it. Margot Martindale. Margot Martindale. Fuck. Margot Martindale is really great in it. Yeah. Um, but you know, I don't like I would I definitely watched the entire thing. Oh, I was hooked. Yeah. I was hooked. (laughs) But, yeah, uh, Mia Farrow, look, she's having a lot of fun. She needs it. (laughs) Yes, Mia needs it. (laughs) Do it for me. Watch it for Mia. Oh, Ronan's been getting investigated for years. He's been – they've been both doing very hard work. She needed a bit of fun with Bobby Cannavale. I really loved Naomi Watts' look in it. Oh, she was so chic, just like making her ceramics. in Just in beige, just in white, ivory, beige. And playing, I really love when an actor or a character is like a star fucker. Like she's really fame hungry and like status hungry, like wants to hang out at the country club in a way that I found very, like, juicy and funny. Mm. Yeah. I found myself getting distracted at the end of every episode and, like, wandering off and, like, cooking something or, like, pottering about. Oh, it was a cleaning show for me. <laughs> yeah. Isn't and then, that bad? That's what every, you know, every creator wants. Oh, yeah. But then the, I knew the next episode would start with a detailed recap. <laughs> exactly. You didn't need to pay any no. attention whatsoever. The genre of Netflix content at the moment is just exposition is that exposition is the genre. So mm. you always know you're going to get a debrief. It's the start of a movie. If it's the start of a reality show, more on this later. Mm. Hey, have you been uh, deep in the Joan Didion estate like I have? Uh, no. Well, she's, <laughs> her estate is being auctioned off like in a matter of days. What? Yeah, you can put in a bid from anywhere. What's on there? So much, and it's beautifully curated. Of course it is. Unfortunately, there have been quite a lot of think pieces that have pulled out the kind of more obscure, uh, less expensive items, so no one's getting those anymore. Should we split a shipping container? I think so. Um, Everyone's focused on the Celine sunglasses that she kept. That's a bit obvious. Yeah, I don't want those. No. I want her collection of California books. There are like five books. Oh, yeah. All about California. 
You can get her notebooks, all sorts of things. Are there copies of her books in here? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. You can buy like all the little trinkets she had on her desk. She had multiple desks, like maybe five littered throughout her home. So you can buy the little things on top of it. Of course, Joan Didion wouldn't have owned a crystal. Wish she did though, because that's what I would have put my big money on. (laughs) But uh, anyway. I love that there's like several Patti Smith photographs in here. Mm. Yeah, she's got a a really great art collection. Really good art collection. Oh my God, her sofas. Yeah, everything's there. $400. I'm looking at this right now. $400 sofas. Oh. We'll put a link to the auction and um, a good Harper's piece about about some of the beautiful things in there. Yeah, and if you want to buy us some stuff. Yeah, please feel free. Please, please, yeah, please feel free. Feel free. Um, if that makes you happy. As the holiday season <laughs> is coming up. Speaking of LA icons. Chriselle and G flip dressed as each other for Halloween last week. Yes, yes, they did. We were going to do an emergency podcast about it. <laughs> but in hindsight, I'm glad we didn't. Yeah, look, we're taking a break. We're doing fortnightly episodes. We couldn't break <laughs> we it. Couldn't we do couldn't it. break the release cycle. No. That uh, was so iconic. It was it was pretty good. Yeah. It made me do a double take. Yeah. Apparently, like a TMZ bus outside the Oppenheim group took photos of G-Flip thinking they were Chriselle. Really? Yeah. Oh. Chriselle was filming the whole thing from inside the uh, office. (laughs) Just tinted windows. They didn't even know she was in there. Wow. I'm listening to Chriselle's audiobook at the moment. Chriselle has a book? Yeah, it's called Under Construction. Oh, that's right. At the end of every chapter, she gives a construction tip. To like summarize her life lessons. I'm listening to it on 1.5 speed. I'm almost finished. <laughs> and it started sounding normal to me now. You she know how does the, she does the commentary, right? Yeah. Yeah. The narration rather. Oh yeah. She mm. grew up loving drummers. She she talks about dating drummers and being inspired by drummers several times in this book, which was written and came out long before she started dating G Flip. What about drummers who were shills for Uber Eats and KFC and drum with uh, chicken drums, drumsticks? She, she's non-specific about that. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of chicken, have you seen the guy who's eaten a rotisserie <laughs> chicken every day for 40 days? I scrolled very fast past that. He's gotten really like protein jacked and I find myself really intrigued as each day passes. Okay. More and more attracted to the chicken man, I've got to say. That's that's terrifying to me. He ate the 40th one in a crowd shirtless in front of Costco on like a pier. This feels lawless to me, BL. Yeah, it's it's psycho. <laughs> I haven't seen an image, so I've just seen the headlines. But what I'm picturing is that oiled shirtless saxophonist in one of the opening scenes of uh, The Lost Boys. That's what I'm seeing. Okay. Okay, I'm trying to picture. I hope that's him. I also am just picturing the chicken man because he's been in my thoughts today. Yeah, there he is. Oh, he doesn't look like what I was envisioning. He's hot in the way that he looks like he's never used a knife or fork. He looks like he'd be at the January 6th (laughs) riots. There's no. Well, I am showing you a photo of him with one arm raised in the air. Yeah, but I'm telling you, even if that arm was down, I could see a Viking helmet on that man's head. (laughs) Look, 
I think that he's hot, but I also think that you're right. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, his jeans are a little too acid washed. You're right. Anyway, you came in with Joan Didion. I came in with the chicken man. I'm really sorry. Okay, let's meet in the middle. I went to a hen's. That's kind of related to chickens. Oh, yeah. It really, it genuinely is. Queer hen's. Was it fun? It was very fun. It was very fun. You were at a lesbian hen's, so you didn't Mm. have to experience this, but something I've noticed in hetero hen's recently is like heady hens heady hens is like cutouts of the groom that the friends like hold up in front of their faces like masks and i don't like it do they then kiss them i think it's just like he's here oh he shouldn't be oh that's weird yeah i don't like it no there was none of that shenanigans thank god happening of course not i've been going to so much live music you really have. Total gig pig over here. You're Bill. a fucking gig pig. You're <laughs> showing up to support the scene. I sure am. Uh, I went to Chapter Fest on the weekend. It was mm-hmm. fantastic, of course. Particularly Laura Jean, who oh. she's got a new album, Amateurs, just came out. Love. And it was really great to see her perform new songs from that and some old classics as well. I went to my friend Rin play. That was really fun on Sunday afternoon. And I saw Elders Harding a couple of weeks ago at the Recital Centre here in Melbourne she was incredible. I've never seen her live. Long yeah. time listener, first time caller. She was amazing. What's she doing like performance wise at the moment? Well, I turned to my friend halfway through and said, she's kind of like giving me Encino Man vibes. Oh. And my friend said, oh yeah, Paulie Shaw. At the same time I said, no, Brenton Fraser. <laughs> and then we we're both like, we are both correct in this. <laughs> wow. Exaggerated, quite dark, mm. quite funny. Yeah. She's a kook. Yeah. There's a real in the gra- Steve I mean, Martin in the- vibe to her. Yeah. Like very physical. Yeah. She's like a fucking cool weirdo. Love her. Yeah. Anyway, it was fantastic. Incredible. Oh, beautiful. Bodge. Mm. On the music side of things, BL. Um, remember we were talking about pavement a few weeks ago and how they had that weird algorithm Mm, thing. Yeah. Well, I've been reading a lot about other bands who are going through that and there's this one singer and I can't believe it's so widespread. It's really strange, right? Yeah. Um, there's this one singer, Michael Farnetti, and I really love his album called Good Morning Kisses from 1976. It was reissued like, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago or something. But one of his songs, The River, which I reckon you would have heard, even if you don't know you have, is like apparently it sounds like a lot of other songs, so it just Mm. keeps getting pushed into lots of playlists. Mm. And he didn't release anything after 1976 and one music magazine like tracked him down and now he, to talk about it, his like weird success after this song that people (laughs) are listening to this song, The River, and now he's released a new album it's called Looking for a Goddess and it's it's not very good, BL. Okay. <laughs> it's like a little bit creepy. You're telling me that like someone who hasn't made music in 50 <laughs> years who's only doing it because of an algorithm freak accident new song isn't good? Yeah, it's not. It's a whole album. Um, that, But he has really good titles. Like there's one called Rich Good Looking Wimp, which I think is great. Okay, title of episode. But, yep. But there's also a song called Loose Women about how he's looking for loose women. Oh. 
So there is. So not like the British daytime TV talk show, Loose Women. No. No. Okay. No. Okay. So, got it, yeah. got it, got it. But it is this widespread phenomenon. But anyway, Michael Farnetti's Good Morning Kiss is beautiful, beautiful album. When people have been talking in recent years about like, quote unquote, making music for the algorithm, this isn't what they describe, <laughs> but this might be a hack. Like replicate the waveform in your like MP3 upload to Spotify and who knows what will freaking happen. Well, I wonder if this is what happened to the Alessi brothers Seabird. Remember when you could not, like that song was just everywhere and it's mm. a great, great song. And then Ariel Pink, Vale. Uh <laughs> Dead? No, he's cancelled. Oh. <laughs> um, he did a cover of it, but yeah. the original's much better. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that song just became huge. But I don't know, maybe it was an algorithm, but we hadn't worked it out. Yeah, it's so strange. I love that you've really got your finger on the pulse of this <laughs> this niche shit. Well, it's because, you know, I'm not staying at home being a girlfriend all the time. <laughs> Making lattes for myself and not my boyfriend. You're a stay-at-home dog mummy. Exactly. (laughs) What else, BL? I've been exploring the Don't Worry Darling Extended Universe recently. I watched My Policeman starring Harry Styles. How was? Because I haven't heard many good things. No, it's not very good. I wish it was. Um, It's trying to be good. (laughs) Harry Styles is trying to be good. And I, look, I love the man. But do I? Because I was like, give it up, bro. Like, he's very wooden. He says his lines as if he's reading them. If he has to be in, like, an argumentative scene, he starts at a nine and has nowhere to go. And it just was kind of the same shit as Don't Worry Darling, like kind of gaslighting a woman in like the 1950s. And I did have a moment of, I watched it with my friend Sinead and her sister Monica and Monica and I have been to like many One Direction and Harry Styles concerts together. And you went to Don't Worry Darling together, Oh yes, the three of us, yeah. And so like Monica and I are like grasping each other's hands as like Harry Styles is like kissing a man or whatever. Like that, there is a lot of it that (laughs) Mm -hmm. to have been invested in the Harry Styles uh, potentially conspiracy of him being in a relationship with a band member 10 years ago world, which I was, mm-hmm. um, to see him like having sex with a man on in a film, I was like, this is iconic and mm-hmm. this is a moment. But at the same time, I was like, this is not good. And I would, I think a test for him would be to not just be a kind of like repressed secret keeping man in the 19th, in a period film. I'm like, be in a contemporary film and then let's see what you're doing. Yeah, because what he's done, Don't Worry Darling, My Policeman, Dunkirk. Dunkirk, And that's it, right? Yeah, and I think he's going to be in a Marvels. In a Marvels. In a Marvel, what's the new one? Eternals. Eternals. Oh, okay. The one that Kamal Nanjiani got really jacked for and then the director was like, why'd you do that? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, and then I also watched the new Florence Pugh film, The Wonder. Oh. Which is really interesting. I think I like it more as the time passes since I watched it. It's going to be on Netflix soon, but it's kind of beautiful to see in the cinema. It is trying to do something kind of with its, like, style and structure. It opens with a fourth wall break. Like, it opens with a shot of, like, a studio and this voiceover from one of the actors in the film 
kind of telling you like we all believe in stories and stories are what makes the world go round or something like I'm doing a really bad job of paraphrasing, but it's like this is a story. Let's follow this story and then it pans around, you see a set and it zooms in and then obviously the set fills the frame and you're like on a boat with Florence Pugh and it's the 1800s and the potato famine has just wiped out half of Ireland and she's going to Ireland because this little girl is like this Catholic miracle because she's been fasting for four months but she's still alive. And it's a strange film and I'm not quite sure the purpose of that. Like let's all believe in our stories. Like without that it's a beautiful film and a fable and asks lots of questions about religion kind of reminds me of Saint Maud a little which oh, I yeah. talked about um following our Halloween episode but it's also a little hog hive moment because Tom Burke who plays Anthony in the souvenir I love him is in the film I love him yeah I looked at his Wikipedia afterwards souvenir doesn't even get a fucking mention as it details his career that's rude. And I'm like, that's what he's from. That's what he famously is from. Turns out, no, he's been in many, many other, other bigger things. things. Yeah. Uh, he's so good in it, though. This, yeah. The director of that Pew film, he uh, also directed Disobedience in a serious, uh, a fantastic woman, right? Yes. Hmm. He, Both of which Gloria, really- Gloria? Did he also do Gloria? Yeah, and the the, yes. e- the English and the yeah. Spanish versions. Yeah, all of which I really enjoyed, Me even too. that American version. I don't know if I watched. Was it Julian Moore? Yeah. I definitely watched the original, and A Fantastic Woman was truly fantastic. It really was. Yeah, and Disobedience, aka women spitting in each other's mouths. I still haven't seen Disobedience. I mean, that's not a spoiler. That's gen. That oh. would be the logline of that film. <laughs> that's like the draw. It's a good film. Yeah. Okay, so that's it. what I've been up to in the cinema. In the cinema. I haven't been in the cinema very much. I'm already on the watching for the next year, so yeah. lips are zipped. But <laughs> I did watch Contact uh, inspired by you yeah. talking about it a few pods ago. Yeah. That was great. Isn't it a strangely structured movie? Yeah. And uh, Jenna Malone plays the younger Jodie Foster. She's about to star opposite Case Stew in a film. And, of course, Case Stew played Jodie Foster's daughter in Panic Room. Oh, my God. It's a lesbian Ouroboros. It really is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jodie Foster is the Shane of, of the Hollywood, I suppose. It's Six Degrees of Jodie Foster. It really is. What else? Oh, I went I went f- not very far afield, but yeah. I took a little – I took a day off and uh, went – took myself – off to a beautiful dreamland. You went to Soak. I went to Soak and it was really glorious. I went to Alba, which is the new springs here in Fingal in the Mornington Peninsula. And it had just been open for like a week or something. And it was so glorious. Just like spending a couple of hours by myself in my robe, walking between geothermal pools, herbal infused pools, just gorge. It looks like a spectacle of a place. Yeah, and the landscaping's really lovely. And when I was there, it was sort of it was chilly, but it wasn't raining. So that was like my ideal bathing temp. Yeah. I had to cancel my trip there, as you know, a week ago because of the weather warning. And I truly can't believe that a week ago I was like, it's too cold and precarious to go to the hot springs. And now I'm like sweating. But it's good to go that because they change the temp of the pools there to mm. acclimatize them to oh. uh, to what's happening outside. It's good to go in a, like, on a cooler day, right? 
I mean, I would go any day of the year. Like I really love going to public baths, yeah. yeah. Like I'm thinking of taking myself to Budapest next year purely to experience their pools. I love this about you. Their bathing culture is something I'm very into. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I really love it. I mean, I prefer nude bathing, but, you know, when you're going to Alba, et cetera, you, you got to, yeah, suit up. Get one of those private pools and go in the nutty. Well, no, they won't even let you do it there. Oh, rude. No, you have to wear you have to wear your bathers. Who's looking? It's private. Yes, I know. Have you ever been to the Russian baths that they that Leah took the Roni women to? I sure have. Yeah. And they are <laughs> so good. <laughs> it looks like a great place to have lunch. Um, they had like special like women's mornings, like Wednesday mornings or something. Get anyway. slapped by a palm frond and eat a pierogi. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Mm. I loved it. I just want to have my Ramona Singer experience <laughs> without the bigotry. Speaking of traveling to far-flung bathing locations, mm-hmm. White Lotus season two, oh, <laughs> she's back. She is back and she couldn't have come, you know, any sooner. She's a Blossom member now. <laughs> I used, petal petal. Mem- I used to be a petal. I used to be a petal. I used to be a petal. Look, I, I've got to like, I've only seen the first episode. Okay. Two episodes will be out when this airs. Yes, I watched the second one today. I'm very excited to go home and watch it after this. <laughs> yeah. But I, I have to say I was a little nervous that season two was coming because the first season was just perfect. It was yeah. just like a could have been a one and done situation. Total capsule situation and then the cast was announced and I was like all right and I trust and respect Mike White yeah. and so far he's coming through he really is I, I read a few kind of like first look reviews of the season I don't usually do that but a bunch of the critics had been sent like the first five episodes and there was some conversation around like oh it's not as biting this time as it was last time it's much more about like sexual relationship dynamics, but I'm interested in what Mike White has to say about those things. And there's all this ominous kind of imagery of like men being cursed or like doing wrong by women. We've got Michael Imperioli being like screamed at on the phone by Laura Dern. I mean, what more could we want? Him in a black flag t-shirt on screen. Michael Imperioli is fucking hot. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, those girls who get cast as, like, the little local sex Mm -hmm. workers. Lucci and Mia. Lucci and Mia. Like, what a fucking role. Role of a lifetime. (laughs) I'm really into, like, the dynamics of the Aubrey Plaza character and her husband and Megan Faye played Sutton on the bold type. Loved her on the bold type. You and I, this was pre-pod, used Mm -hmm. to talk about the bold type a lot and she was – Always my fave. Give a gun to Sutton. Let her shoot. <laughs> the Sutton gun episode. <laughs> uh, but she and her boyfriend uh, or husband are, I'm, I'm really kind of interested in this idea that Mike White seems to be presenting of like, are dumb, ignorant people harmless or are they, should we have as much disdain for them as Aubrey Plaza's character does? There is a moment in the second episode where I was like, oh, I see what I think is happening here, which is like the the moral superiority of the Aubrey Plaza character who's like just as wealthy as them, if not wealthier, it seems, but just seems to like read books 
and judge really harshly is kind of like the only thing that sets her, like she's very desperate for things to set her apart from people she believes aren't as like, you know, morally correct as her or upstanding. But there is this moment of like their obliviousness gets this new layer after the second episode where they talk about like something they experience as a couple and you can tell that she, at the same time that you as a viewer, you're realizing like, oh, maybe they're obnoxiously happy as a coping mechanism or they learned to be because they had experienced something really horrible. Say no more. But at the same time, they might be fucking horrible guns. Yeah. At the moment, kind of everyone is. And I love that about a Mike White show. Oh, same, same. Yeah. Loving Aubrey Plaza in this so far. It's such a good role for her. She's so good in it. Yeah. I have not seen... Her husband in it in March, Will Sharp. Me neither. He wrote, directed, and starred in that show Flowers with Olivia Coleman from a few years ago. Oh. And I kept getting served it in my algorithm and I never watched it. And now I want to go back and watch it. I had like Julian um, Barrett in it as well. Oh, okay. I never heard of Flowers. It's about like a really depressed family, like a comedy about a depressed family right. as, as far as I know. Great. Anyway, I'm loving him in it. Yeah. Um, so that's good. The lack of a Murray Bartlett is an issue so far for me because he was just so easily the star from like the first second. Yes. He and Natasha Rothwell character, Belinda, in the first season. I mean, people talked about like an upstairs, downstairs or a Downton Abbey kind of approach to White Lotus where the people in the hospitality roles having to serve these obnoxious, horrible, rich monsters, they were our eyes and they were our way in and our empathy point. And, yeah, without them... There is there is a dynamic missing. Like Haley Lou Richardson is playing Jennifer Coolidge's assistant. I always get her and Zoe Deutsch, Deutsch, Deutsch confused. Mm-hmm. But I think this is the one that I like more, Haley Lou Richardson. Yeah, she's the one who was in Columbus. Right. She was in a movie with Cole Sprouse where they it was like a childhood leukemia movie or something. Yeah. It looks like she would be up against Florence Pugh in a casting situation. Oh my God. I bet they've been in the same mm. room a dozen times. She went up for the Greta Gerwig, every Greta Gerwig vehicle. <laughs> she has this moment in, and I don't want to spoil anything, Jinxie, because you haven't watched episode no, two yet, don't. but she has this moment where she talks about like wanting to meet someone who is not aware of like the capital D, like the discourse. She wants to kind of meet someone who's not tapped in or reacting. And it does, I had this moment of being like this week, Twitter is fully imploding. Mm -hmm. People are losing their minds about not being able to use Twitter. I'm thinking about like what Twitter means and what it means without it, you know, the Elon of it all. I deleted almost all of my tweets this week. Yeah. And like, we've been thinking about this for a while, Mm -hmm. but now it just seems very imminent. Mm -hmm. And so it does seem like an interesting time to be watching the White Lotus, especially the Aubrey Plaza character. Like you can imagine what her Twitter persona is. Yeah. I feel like I have it, unfortunately. (laughs) You should know. You do not. She is earnestly tweeting vote every day with no further information, you know? (laughs) Yeah, probably. Actually, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, I did really love the Ted Lasso conversation in the first episode. (laughs) Uh, As someone who could not get through second season because it was just too nice and nothing was happening, I, yeah, Yeah. appreciated it. There's nothing, nowhere for that show to go. (laughs) Some see also's for White Lotus Mm because we have still so much to go with that show. Obviously. Every see also for Mike White is watch his show Enlightened with mm-hmm. Laura Dern. It's perfect. 
But he was also interviewed recently by Nomi Fry on the New Yorker Radio Hour talking about what he's trying to do this season. And he also delves a little bit into how the idea of White Lotus came out of his time on Survivor. So we'll link to that. It's a great half hour. Oh, fun. My seat also for the White Lotus is just encouraging everyone to watch Beatrice at Dinner, his film from, I don't know, like five, six years ago now. It's good. Very Trump era, America. Watching the first season of The White Lotus, I was like, oh, yeah, he's still thinking about this. The ideas that he's been exploring in this show have been present in his work for like such a long time. It's also just such a funny movie. Chloe Sevigny, a Duplass brother, John Lithgow, Connie Britton. I mean, Salma Hayek has a pet goat. Come on. It's really good. John Early has one line. That's the really good <laughs> casting. Yeah. If you want to see Aubrey Plaza in a film that does kind of tackle the idea of capitalism and class and race, Emily the Criminal is now on Apple TV. Oh, great. We had it at MIF and I loved it so much. Me too. at Sundance, I think, earlier this year. A really great thriller. Genuinely in a thriller. Yeah. It's so fun <laughs> and good and, yeah, it's doing a lot. There was a photo of her in that, like a still of her in that film on the cover of a magazine and Edgar Wright, the director, apparently thought it was the announcement that she was going to be playing Lara Croft because she's wearing this like gray singlet with like a leather handbag over her shoulder. And when you look at it, you see what he means. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh, BL, we both went to Paris a couple of weeks ago with Mrs. Harris. We'll always have Paris with Mrs. Harris. <laughs> <laughs> this is the silliest cinema experience of my entire goddamn life. I loved every second of it. We didn't go together. No, we went separately. <laughs> uh, it was so fun. I loved it. I loved it. The lights came on at the end. I was crying. I was laughing. You didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do, but Mrs. Aris sure did go to freaking Paris. She really did. And what a good time she had there. Everyone loves that woman. No matter where she goes in the world, people just go, I'm going to get this lady wherever she needs to go. I'm going to do favors for her. She is the human Paddington bear. Literally a hundred thousand percent. It is. It's pretty much the same film, same film premise, same story premise. Fuck, you're right. <laughs> Mrs. Aris and Paddington are one and the same. Yeah. Yeah. Her his family got swept away or whatever happened at the start of that traumatic opening to the first Paddington movie. Her husband died in the war. 
Bootstraps, like they family are- found him at the train station. Many people came to like give her money. Mm-hmm. All in the same scene. That was very flat, like slapsticky kind of moment. Oh, all the boys ringing Mrs. Harris's doorbell. Here she goes up to Paris. <laughs> I didn't even know that we need to talk about the storyline of this, but uh I mean it's there in the title. A cleaning lady from London. This this book, the book that this film is based on, when it was released in America, it's literally called Mrs. Apostrophe Harris. <laughs> and in the UK was called Mrs. Harris. Mrs. Harris, yeah. <laughs> she has a friend called Vi, her best friend Vi, who also cleans houses. There's a moment at the start where they go to a racetrack together to see the dogs and bet on the dogs. Jason Isaacs plays a bookie and he's like such a beautiful hunk in this movie. And there was a moment where the girls are going to the racetrack and my friend Georgia and I sitting there at the opening of the British Film Festival with our free gin and tonic in hand. We looked at each other and we were like, it's us. (laughs) That's very cute. (laughs) It was so cute. They just have fun. Those two gals have fun wherever they go. They really do. Basically, Mrs. Harris, she's cleaning. She's got no money. She sees in one of her clients uh, Duckface from uh, Four Weeks in Funeral. I should know that actress's name because I love her, but Duckface. Yeah. And she sees a Dior hot couture gown in her, you know, dressing situation and covets it. And she decides she must have one of her very own, so off she goes to Paris. It takes her a while to get there. Like the film very much wants you to understand it was hard to get a cleaning lady from London to the Dior Atelier, but she frigging gets there and then they're like, you got to stay for two weeks and get fittings because it's haute couture made to fit you. And she's like, I can't blimey stay in Paris. But, again, everyone who meets this woman goes, I'm going to help her. Yeah, even Emily in Paris's sometimes on-again, off-again chef boyfriend helps her. Yeah. Isabelle Huppert kind of helps her. Isabelle Sort Huppert. of tries to set her oh, back as well. Oh, she's turned up a nose at Mrs. Oh, Harris. my God, I love it. Isabelle Huppert is just, like, <laughs> chewing scenery oh. in this film. Not since EO has she <laughs> chewed the scenery like this. She's having a fucking great time opposite Leslie Manville. Everybody. Everybody is having such a good time in this. Oh, and yeah, I, Mrs. Harris is played by Leslie Manville, by the way. Oh, Leslie Manville, just bless her bloody heart. I love her from all the Michael Lee films mostly. Like that's sort of where I know her from, particularly Another Year. She's so good and that's one of my favourites anyway. Uh, and she's also really great in um, Phantom Thread yeah. recently. And in that she played the sister of a couturier. She kind of was the Isabelle Huppert Role, yeah, she was a little, you know, the protector of the house, yeah. And the character, what's he, Woodcock, played by Daniel Day Lewis, yeah, yeah. in Phantom Thread, his character was sort of based on Charles James, the designer. And James apparently inspired many designers, including Christian Dior, who oh. said that he was the greatest talent of my generation. And he actually, Dior, credited James with inspiring. The new look. Which is what Mrs. Aris is seeing in in the movie. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Leslie Manville just bringing it all together. She really is. This is like a hog hive moment. She's the connecting point. Anyway, it's a really good time. I went to like Melbourne premiere of it and there was bubbles and there were like little macarons or something. Oh, yeah. You went to the celeb premiere. I mean, does Shayna Blaze count? She was at the Don't Worry Darling premiere that I went to and that counted as a celeb sighting. Okay. But I was reading up on the director, because not familiar, Paul Fabian, um, who could have made it a little 
shorter, a little tighter. Literally in my notes, I was like, it could have been half an hour shorter. It really could have been. I mean, I had a great time. Same. But- they just really needed to stress that, like, it's hard to get to Paris as a cleaner. But I'm like, come on, we're we here know, in the we fantasy. Know, we get, know, we know. Get Paddington on the plane. Exactly. <laughs> Paddy's got to get there. When she wa- Sorry, but when she walks out of Charles de Gaulle Airport and looks in the distance at the Eiffel Tower... And then just starts walking. I know. It's great. That's what Paddington would do. <laughs> With her suitcases. And she just walks and walks and walks and then ends up in like a train station. It's so strange. But she can make friends anywhere, that Mrs. Arias. Oh, everyone who meets her is like, I'm a bum who sleeps in the train station. I'm going to walk you to Dior. And then three weeks later, I'm going to remember you. And help you out. Spoiler alert, everyone helps her. I mean, and you know what? There are no real highs or lows in this film. I mean, there are a couple of lows, but there are no risks at all. You know that she will prevail in one way or another. Like, of course, situations will befall her, bad situations. Mm -hmm. But uh, every single time anyone showed her uh, like a little crumb of kindness, I cried. Yeah. Oh, just I don't know sobbed. what it was. I cannot imagine. My sister watched this on a plane, and I think that would ruin me. This film, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, every every woman who works in the Dior Atelier is indebted to Mrs. Harris. She shows them her darning techniques. They all love her. <laughs> Isabelle Huppert's like, I want to kick this old woman out on the street, and they're like, No, not Mrs. Harris. They all get misty-eyed every time she enters the room. It's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, go see Mrs. Harris. <laughs> There's also weird stuff about, like, philosophy. Like, the girl the, the girl who looks about 17 and is the face of Dior. <laughs> Natasha. Natasha. She and um, Hot Chef from Emily in Paris, who plays an accountant in this, Mrs. Harris is, like, matchmaking them. Um they just talk about like they bond over existentialism. <laughs> I mean, they. I mean, I believe that was probably in the book that they were trying to do some kind of like, oh, we've if we've got to have French philosophy in yeah. here. To I had I a moment. Enjoy it. Me too. I had a moment watching that those conversations, being like, when this film inevitably turns into a high school drama production, that's gonna kill. Oh yeah, the bit where the the cute boy and the cute girl talk about existentialism in a train station. Oh, Betty had a Rocker Steadford number. Oh, this would, Mrs. Aris would kill a Rocker Steadford. I've got to see also, it's an article from the Hollywood Reporter all about the costume design and like going into the Dior archives and where the costume design kind of began and end and where the real Dior pieces kind of like filled in the blanks. It's really interesting. Yeah, because Jenny Bevan was the designer, right? Yeah. Always amazing. Iconic. So good. Uh, my only see also is to watch Leslie Manville in every single Mike Lee film, but go in for another year. All right, Jinxie, let's do our also also's. What are you recommending this week? Okay, well, I mean, hot topic of Heidi Klum in the worm costume that we don't need to discuss. It's been discussed. I never want to stop looking at it, though. Oh, it's abject and beautiful. <laughs> Love it. Well done. But I do have a worm also. <laughs> <laughs> Remember a few weeks ago I mentioned that I had invested in a compost, you know, for my apartment balcony, right? I could never forget. Well, and then I was very worried because all my worms goddamn disappeared and then I had to read that worm guide book. Yeah. Anyway, 
My worms are back and now I feel like that I can truly recommend this product. Okay. I've been waiting. Because the worms, they are meant to go out and explore and then come back. It's a, it's a process. Anyway, my worms are back and I need to celebrate. So I've wanted to have a composting system in my apartment for some time, but often they are really smelly or there's no kind of good space for them and they look disgusting. And mm-hmm. the aesthetic, they really needed to be aesthetically pleasing for me to, you know, go in. Yeah. Anyway, so I bought a a mod bed balcony garden and compost bundle from Subpod, which is an Australian company who is doing really well in the States. Mm. And they have this crazy composting community that I am not joining, but I peek into every I've so seen often. them on TikTok, I think. Oh, yeah, they're, they're everywhere. So you put it together and it's like a really nice little system. You've seen it. It took me the first two screams to put it together uh-huh. and to just give you some idea of, you know, how yeah. long it takes. And <laughs> It once took me a whole season of Silicon Valley to put together an Ikea chest of drawers. Okay, yeah. See, I like to know these sorts of, these are the, these are our timelines. Yeah. Uh, and I've planted lots of things around it, lots of like I've planted kale and herbs and nasturtiums and they are all thriving because of my worms. And oh. a shout-out to Kate McLennan for telling me, where to get the worms. Your worm hookup is series? It's series. Yeah. Of course it's series. But yeah, my worms are back. They are composting. They're taking my banana peels. They're smoking them. I love it. Oh, kings. Mm. What about you? I have a watch also. It's for the reality TV show Buying Beverly Hills on Netflix. I mean, this could be a whole episode. It should be. I had to restrain myself by making it a C also. Mm-hmm. It's Maurizio, a.k.a. Carl from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, husband, his real estate firm, The Agency, and it's got this weird kind of succession-y element because Kyle's daughter from her first marriage, Farah, 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 Farah. how do you say that name in an Australian accent? Farah. Farah. It's the same way we say tar instead of tar. Yeah, tar. (laughs) And Alexia, their, I think, oldest daughter, they've got two others, Sophia and Portia, obviously, who we saw grow up on screen. Anyway, they both work for Maurizio at the agency and there's this kind of weird element. Like I said before, Netflix is just exposition. Like the show starts with him being like, we sell this many houses and I've got this these many people on my team, but who's going to take over the business? Is it going to be this person or this person? Someone's got to take over the family business. And then, like, the show starts 10 minutes later. Like, it's a very strange kind of setup. Also, he's not going anywhere. He's not fucking going anywhere. He's really young. He is not. Yeah. It's not succession. <laughs> yeah, no. He is no Logan Roy. No. Um, My first note about the show is fame hungry losers and bitchy straight men because that's the vibe. Like, mm-hmm. several of the people on this show are, like, singers or music people who are just doing real estate to make money. Alexia is an absolute flop. She sounds identical Identical. to Kyle Richards Mm. in a way that is so eerie to me. I kept closing my eyes. Yes, same. She walks into a room and he goes, hey, honey. And I swear to God, it's fucking Kyle walking in in her like tight jeans and big hat with a million dogs. Anyway, Maurizio sets up like family business. I'm all about family businesses. My dad had a business in Mexico and Jewish and we moved to LA. He skipped over all the Rick Hilton stuff. So if you are a, if you are not a Beverly Hills housewife watcher and you're watching buying Beverly Hills, 
you gotta know the original sin in Kyle Richards and Kathy Hilton's traumatic sister relationship is that Maurizio was working for Rick Hilton and then left to start the agency. Kathy and Kyle didn't talk to each other for like a decade after that. The original sin. Anyway, um, they keep saying the agency is incestuous, which is a weird thing to say when daughters work for their father. Anyway, it's great. I think it's really fun. There's a bit that I tweeted that you really liked where like Alexia is talking about her imposter syndrome to like an quote unquote older real estate agent who says, when you mind fuck yourself like this, you cock block yourself out of opportunities. I mean, this is. It's therapy. We all need that as a poster, like a beautiful, like with some beautiful typesetting, you yeah. know, that's yeah. what we all need. Yeah. People are comparing it to Selling Sunsets, completely different show. Completely I different show. Really am enjoying it. I'm loving it. Straight men fighting each other over like how embarrassing their Instagram content is. Give me more. Give me more. Their eyebrows. <laughs> my God. Oh my God. The guy who started as a rave DJ. Oh, as soon as that was revealed, I was like, I of am course. in. Yes. I'm in. It's really good. It's like, I toured with Guns N' Roses. And you're like, did you? Okay. Okay. Sell me a house. Yeah, I'm really into it. I'm really enjoying it. And also I think their houses are so far actually better than the houses on Selling Sunset. Yeah. Alexia's big project is selling the house that her family grew up in. So it was like a central location in early seasons of Beverly Hills Housewives. It is also the house that Sutton was renting from Kyle in previous seasons that she almost burned down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's it runs deep. I've got to listen also. It's a new album by Drug Dealer, one of my favourite bands. It's a new album called Hiding in Plain Sight. I've really loved all of, the you know, their slash his output, mm. uh, particularly the 2016 album, End of Comedy. But I think that this one is my fave so far. It's basically it's like one guy, Michael Collins, who has – Different band members kind of coming through. Like one of the, like Ben Schwab, play, Schwab, Schwab plays with him and he's also in the band Sylvie that I was a, see, a listen also a few weeks oh, yeah. back. Drug Dealer is such a funny name for a band to me. I mean, he, before he was called Drug Dealer, he was called Run DMT. No. Well, he got, he, yeah, that was yeah. a cease and desist. Yeah, good. And then he was also uh, Salvia Plath. Okay, so drug dealer is the connecting point. <laughs> Salvia Plath is actually really it's good. It's pretty good. Anyway, so you can kind of, I think you should be able to guess the kind of music that he makes from those sure, band sure, sure. titles. A little Source Family. I loved Very Source Family. It's very like, you know, late 60s, early 70s vibe. I'm yeah. very into that. Obviously, all of my recommendations are always in line with that. Mushies, Canyon, etc. Yeah, yum, yum, yum. But this one is kind of interesting because he was not going to be playing music under this moniker anymore. And then he ran into Annette Peacock, who was this pioneering experimental singer artist. She was one of the first people to use like a Moog. Like she was sent a Moog when they first came out and then put her voice in it and anyway so Mm. she's incredible she's still alive still making music she's in her 80s now anyway he was talking to her and played her a song and she said well you got to sing higher like that's there's your problem right there and so then he went back and changed the way he sang and this album kind of came out of it all of his music is sort of the same and I don't care love that yeah 
This is a great endorsement. I've never, I've never really known where to start with his stuff. Oh, you can put any of them on. This yeah. one has less like interstitial kind of bleeps and bloops mm-hmm. between the songs. Like there's less, you know, like a bell rings. There's less of that. Do you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know exactly what mm-hmm. you mean. Yeah. I've got a shoes also, and they're the shoes that I'm wearing right now. Do you want to describe them? I will give it a go. They're very cute. They're like, they're made of rubber. They're like slippers. They look, I don't know if they look really comfortable or really painful. I I can't tell. And the answer is a bit of both. Okay. So they're like, they're called the Autorex slippers and they're decompression massage shoes that are supposed to relieve fatigue and soreness. And they're like massaging shoes. So like what you what Jinxie is seeing that you can't see because it's a podcast is that they're kind of made up of like these little mini basketballs all kind of like glued together to they make look a, a slipper. Like hand grenades, like little mini hand grenades. Little mini hand grenades is yeah, that's really accurate. Or like disco balls, but not shiny. Yeah. Um, and I got black ones and I'm gonna buy another pair in either like purple, orange green or cream and I'm going to get them a size bigger so I can wear them with socks. But basically, since I moved to this apartment that has like new fake hardwood, like floating floorboards on what I assume is concrete, like I've had a hamstring issue that hasn't gone away. I've had kind of like sore ankles on and off, like my knees are a bit fucked. And I just thought maybe if I'm wearing some kind of like massaging comfort footwear just around the house, maybe that will get a bit better. And so far, I don't want to jinx it, but it's really worked a treat. I come in, I take my shoes off, I put these on. When I go to bed, I take them off and they're really firm on the bottom of your feet. So you know when you like roll your feet out when they're sore? It's kind of like that's happening all the time. I've got a drink also, my Mm -hmm. last one. I'm loving Molly Rose Brewing Company's very summery non-alk range uh they've got they're like 0.5 there's a syrup citra which is my favorite a strawberry sublime and a pineapple one called prickly on the outside they also do radlers which is like beer mixed with soda oh yeah beer spritz yum yeah is that what you're drinking right now molly rose i am i've got the the here's one she friggin prepared earlier but yeah the radlers i haven't tried but they're uh just under three percent they look really good Mm, this is a hot tip if you're in melbourne you can actually go to the brewery it's in collingwood on wellington street and they you can get them there or you can sit in or sit outside and they do food etc it's cute great love that my last one is a skin also it's a recommendation for something that is a lifesaver as the weather gets warmer for me it's the thigh rescue anti-friction stick from a brand called mega babe and ignore the name i don't love it but the product is exceptional if you want to wear dresses or skirts or even pants during summer and you get kind of like chafy or like sweaty or like I don't know, sweat rash or whatever. It's not a pleasant thing to talk about, but there is a solution and it is the Mega Babe Thigh Rescue Anti-Friction Stick. I am never without it when the weather gets warmer. It is an absolute lifesaver. It makes a lot more of my wardrobe more wearable in the summer months. And it's like, it's a chafe repellent. Like yesterday was really hot. I put some on. I walked to the North Fitzroy Primary School Fate 
Then I went to meet a friend, walk, walk, walk in the hot sun, got home, walked to the grocer, picked up some food, came home, didn't reapply once. Like it's a really solid product. Good to know. Yeah. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in two weeks again. A reminder that we're fortnightly until the new year. If you have been enjoying the podcast, we would love if you left a review on Apple Podcasts and gave us a five-star rating. And you can follow us at See Also Podcast on Instagram, where you can also tag us, share the episodes with your friends, etc. Yeah, we want to know what's going on in your life too, you know? Yeah, we're curious. We are curious people. Thanks so much, as ever, to Samuel Hodge for our original imagery and Harvey Sutherland for our theme song. See you next time. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.